Aguini Corer and Gaital Chesis, Minla Mawikas Aguala Sap, on fear kid for Jadarish Galed, Romanis Revmathan Kale Saivinis, Yatsan at Tartash Delon. Is Kushahis the Magoni Chiakt Gadina on plowing, Agas is privilege ve nan ia oskart, on Urisha than Octo Sheo, Comortus, Travadora, Netire. I must say, first of all, I'm bit responsible for the being late because I wanted to go and see the horses. <laughs> and my interview with Sean O'Rourke had delayed me. And I didn't want, in fact, actually to cut the time from the horses, which are really the beginning of all of this, and it is so important. But every time I come here to the ploughing, Sabine and I uh, marvel at the sheer size, scale and energy of what is called the ploughing. And this year, with the weather, may it hold, <laughs> and uh, uh, the, the numbers will no doubt go up. And it's marvellous to be here at the 86th National Ploughing Championship in Scregan County, Offaly. And that's a venue that has proved so attractive and successful that last year it welcomed 283,000 people over the three days, with all the chances that this year the attendance will go well over 300,000. I think that the, it, is, it has grown, as you have just heard the chairman say, into not just a massive public event for rural people in Ireland, but it's one of Europe's largest outdoor events. And what comes into existence uh, is a near miracle. It's an instant temporary town, which comes almost overnight in the heart of the countryside. And it does so with the cooperation of so many people. For the festival is a testament to the vibrancy and the organisational talent that is there in Ireland's farming community. So it's Minlam Trislulub Arfad. I want to congratulate and thank our hosts, the neighbouring farmers who have facilitated the transformation of 600 acres of farmland, although I'm told this morning it's nearer to 700, into Ireland's farming capital city. And I think the community effort required on that is a marvellous, should encourage all of us. And I think the expansion and development of the event is due in such large measure to the dedication of the National Ploughing Association's organising team, including its indomitable, formidable managing director of four decades, Anna Mae McHugh. I think that the commitment of the organising group, their enthusiasm, but above all else, and which is admired far and wide, their professionalism allows all of us year after year to come here and enjoy these days together. And they have wonderful cooperation from Offaly County Council, the Gardaí, the many clubs, rural organisations, that all come together in a great act of enthusiasm and cooperation to make this festival possible. But I think that cooperation is an essential part of rural life. And I think you have created and sustained it in these championships, making it the most important, enjoyable celebration of rural Ireland, rural Ireland in all its aspects, and an annual tribute to those who farm, and to those who are the custodians because they are farming, of not only our food, but also our society, our landscapes, our natural environment, and our way of life. 
And it's important to stress that these championships, the ploughing, they're an annual opportunity also for those who have moved to our towns and cities to come back and restore their connection with the rural communities and the land that where none of us are very far from. And I think, Akarja, these days are a celebration and an opportunity, I want to say as well, to take note of the profound role that farmers and farming plays in our society. It's a role that can never be fully understood in the market figures and sales statistics of a, of a sector. These indicators are very important. They may be important indicators, but they don't fully take into account maybe the importance of farming as a way of life. Above all else, family farming, and it's so good to see people of all ages here, and particularly so many young people. It's something that connects us, all of us, to nature, but it also transfers not only the knowledge of food security and its importance from generation to generation, but also a very valuable lore of understanding that comes from being close to soil, animals, plants. It is a valuable way of life. It needs nurture, it needs support, it needs understanding, it needs good social policies, as well as economic and price interventions. And among the stands that I will be visiting today will be the stand Chagask. And as I was preparing my notes, I was very indebted to a paper written by David Meredith on the challenges that are now facing rural communities. That paper drew on, for example, among other things, the National Farm Survey of 2015. That showed that one farm in three, in fact 34%, were vulnerable. They were vulnerable because they didn't have enough source of income to farmer or spouse, and thus he said, concluded <coughs> that these are the farmers that need care, the farms that need care, because they may not be viable. My message is simple as President of Ireland. Farming has to be supported. As part of our economy, yes, the agri-food sector, it's our largest indigenous industry, and its contribution to the national and global production of food for an expanding population is significant. And since it operates in our rural communities, it provides sources of income and employment, but it also makes use of the natural capital and resources of our environment. It accounts for more than 11 billion of our exports, 160,000 jobs. Ireland's agriculture has been and continues to be central to the shaping of the future of our country and our society. Of that 11 billion, and this is why this year is an important year that needs all our support, 40% of it, it depends on our market with the United Kingdom. But farming as a crucial element of society is vulnerable all over Europe, and Ireland is no exception. And we are challenged to address issues like the succession issue. The challenge, in other words, put simply, of offering a future to the next generation of educated young farmers. And they are educated, bright young farmers, boys and girls. Acknowledging these factors requires acknowledgement of something that is a concern for all of us. And that is the unbalanced nature 
of development in Ireland. That unbalanced development is leaving us with rural depletion in some parts, and then also the other side of the coin are urban diseconomies, two sides of the same coin, something that affects those who work in agriculture, live in rural Ireland, and make their living on the land, but also it affects the whole of society. Losing infrastructure in rural areas, crowded cities with inadequate services, and social cohesion, which must be the, what we all aim for, not only in Ireland, but in Europe and the world. That means having a balanced economy and society. And that aim, many years ago when I was starting out, was one of the principal reasons why we had a discussion on regionalism and regional planning. It became unfashionable. It fell out of favour. And I think sectoral thinking was privileged. But we need good regional thinking and planning again. And when rural communities struggle with a lack of adequate infrastructure, with an exodus of its young people, not only its young females but young bright males as well, this is a matter not only for those affected but for all of us. Some of the rural communities are regarded as lucky because they are on the edge of expanding cities. And 71% of all the jobs created by foreign direct investment were concentrated in existing clusters. But those commuter towns, they may regard themselves as lucky, but there are others who are far worse. Places where decline is taking place, where it had took, taken place before. And the recent census figures in 2016 showed that in 40% of our electoral divisions, the population was in decline. This is something we have to address. It creates a real challenge for policy. In those areas, as current figures suggest, one-third of Irish farms were called economically vulnerable. They are not only vulnerable as farms, our society is weakened if they are vulnerable. And rural depopulation has contributed and it's reinforced by the loss of services such as post offices, shops, banks, pubs, restaurants, health services. And all those services in the commercial sector, I ask you as President to remember, you were sustained over generations by the loyalty of people in the rural areas. And you owe it to continue and enable government to have policies to continue. What we're witnessing, I think, is something, as I said, it concerns us all. The loss of a social infrastructure that's driving rural depopulation. A vicious cycle. And I think, let's be honest, what this requires is the intervention, no more than in relation to climate change or sustainability. It requires the activity of an active entrepreneurial state. I think about urban strain, the benefits of the city. When people flood to cities that are insufficiently planned, you get agglomeration. There are issues of accessibility, of inadequate service provision. Schools are crowded where they're in fact emptying in other parts of rural Ireland. And then, of course, there are other specific issues associated with life in the city. Spiralling costs associated with housing that are associated with both speculation and to the under-provision of housing, all contributing to social fragmentation.
But you know, as we gather on a day like today, I want to say, we should turn again to the case that is there for balanced regional development and renew our commitment to achieving a balance in society and meet the challenge of reviving and revitalising rural Ireland. <coughs> I'm not talking about it as some kind of occasional tourist activity, but as a way of life, and it is something we need. It's one of the great challenges of our time. It's one that can and must be met. And I think as well, there's nothing inevitable about what I have been describing. We have the means through science and technology and communications to meet all of the difficulties that are facing these remote communities. And there's a direct relationship between remote, the remote being distance from the main, main infrastructure and what I have been describing. I think a socially applied technology, science, crafted infrastructural expenditure of an economic, social and technical kind can help us achieve our targets. The loss of vibrant, viable rural communities is not inevitable. It's not the result of some natural phenomena presented lazily as some way of the world. The challenges being faced now are the result of choices, large and small, or failures to make choices that have the cumulative effect that I have been describing. There are choices, and there are failures, and there are ours to change. And with political will, ambition, and imagination, it can all be reversed. I think something that's very important. It is very important that the very last thing we need is a wasteful false divide between city and country. If there are problems in the rural areas of depopulation, they are contributing to the problems of unplanned population increase in the cities. And I'm making my case again for regionalism, because by revisiting our analysis of the advantages of good regional planning, by investing in rural infrastructure, transport and broadband, by providing good business support, by giving grants that make it important for people to go back again and live great, fulfilling lives in those towns and villages where you see too many businesses closed up. <laughs> and I think from a social policy point of view, the cities will benefit if we do that because they'll be relieved of spiralling diseconomies and their life, in continual interaction between urban and rural exchanges will be sustainable. Dear friends, next year I have mentioned the word sustainable. Next year marks the second anniversary of the adoption of the 2015 Sustainable Development Goals. One of the great achievements of my time as President in 2015, all our hearts lifted. We have all been asked to radically rethink our approach to the economy, to express an old solidarity that was there that maybe we lost with our natural world. And also we've been asked to do something every good farmer, man and woman knows, to think long. And thinking long means thinking sustainably. I think we have to do this not just for ourselves, but our, our, our generation, but for all of the generations to come. And those goals need all of our support. And it's good to see all the young people from the transition year here. I hope that every school makes sure that every child 
knows all of the goals and the importance attached to them. And I think good farming, that requires succession in farming. That requires thinking long between fathers and sons and daughters and mothers. And I think balanced development is one of the tests of our time, leaving no one behind. We've always had that phrase. But doesn't that mean then that the health of a sector in agriculture must include all those who farm? And that raises other challenges too. Yes, it is possible for us to have a carbon neutral agriculture. Yes, soil management that is, that is sustainable and renewable energies. New policies to manage spatial planning. Education system that takes account of the richness of the rural experience. Social safety nets. And all of that feeds in to what we say describing ourselves internationally in foreign policy. All of that new thinking must be based on a strong awareness on facts, and I think that is very important. May I say one of the great successes when I go to Bloom or when I come to the ploughing is the importance now that's attached internationally, and it's going to be very valuable to us as we seek to retain our markets for the agricultural projects, traceability. But I do want to say this as well. We need traceability not only in the product from food to the, to the, to the kitchen, we need traceability at every stage of production. And we should have traceability about who is adding value at every stage to the, to the retail counter. And if we don't have traceability, I actually looked at a very good study by Keith Kierman, and I think it's worthy of support. We should actually legislate, if necessary, to ensure that there are fair transactions between those who produce those who purchase for the retail sector, and those who consume. <laughs> One of the things, you know, Foodwise 2025 has said, environmental sustainability and economic sustainability, they're equal and complementary, and one cannot be achieved at the expense of the other. These ploughing championships are a great opportunity to celebrate tradition, knowledge, innovation, and imagination and principle in our farming sector. And I need, we need to mobilize all of the members of our society in achieving these aims I have been describing, those involved in farming, food production, retail, and consumption, willing to share new ideas, new skills, and methods within an ethic of fairness, transferring information and exchanging best practice across a range of areas. Farming, farmers, living on a farm, knowing what it means, and so on. That is about life itself, and that is what is very, very important. It is so much more than a sector, and we have good lessons and good examples to draw on. Programmes such as the Burden Programme, which initiated an approach to farming and conservation from the ground up. And also I want to see others as well, the Hin Harrier Freshwater Pedal Muscle Schemes. All of that is saying, where good schemes are made available, they will be implemented and they will enable us to go forward. And I'm not, I believe we must all cooperate in dealing with what everyone is now discussing, and that is Brexit. Yes, I said we've lost, I've just given an interview, where I said we've lost 650 million already because of the change in the currency. 
and yet 40% of what we export from the agricultural sector goes to the United Kingdom market. But also know this, those who consume Irish food know that they're getting the best quality food, traceable food, and all of this. So therefore we must emphasise again and again that it is in consumers' interest to use Irish traceable excellent product. And yes, we will go and find new markets, but we will seek to secure the markets we have, and that's why I think it's very important that the government has achieved the recognition of the particular needs of Ireland in the Brexit negotiation. No, we don't need a hard border. No, we, yes, we do want to keep freedom of movement. And yes, we want a tariff-free trade with sectors that are very important to us and very important to jobs in rural Ireland. And we always have been an international people. And I want to say to you as President of Ireland that when I travel abroad, the reputation of Ireland is excellent. The friendship extended towards Ireland is always warm and welcome. And next month, Sabina and I will, at the invitation of government, visit Australia and New Zealand. And I have found a willingness and a welcome available for all the meetings that we attend. And these will provide opportunities for producers and exporters and for visitors to our country. They will enable us to highlight our country's histories, the kind of people we are, and to strengthen the economic, tourism, cultural and political links between our peoples. There are 2.5 million Australians there are 11% of the population who indicate that they have Irish ancestry. And there are 80,000 Irish-born citizens who have made Australia their home. And I was saying earlier as well, a long time ago in 1862, my grandfather's brother Patrick and his sister Mary Ann emigrated on the Montmorency to go to Queensland. My aunt, my grand-aunt was a seamstress. But my grandfather's brother, Patrick, was a ploughman and is written on the ship's list as a ploughman. And I had to tell Annie Mae McHugh, he won the ploughing championships in Queensland several times in, 19, in the 1862. <laughs> you know, I have been speaking about all the challenges that are facing us. Indeed, all the risks that are there in the Brexit process and all the rest of it. But quite frankly, our time in Europe, when we decided that we wouldn't be dependent on a single market, and new markets were opened up. And that is why we're just not interested only in Brexit. We're interested in the future of Europe, and a Europe that will have security for farm families, and they will be able to make common cause with all those who work and have a relationship to the land in all of the remaining 27 countries. And that is what is important. And this is, I think, no such thing as no reason to be negative. It is time for a new departure, linking economics, ethics, ecology, social policy, leaving genuinely no one behind, and offering things in a sense of solidarity. A Europe of one strong nation is not a real European Union. A union of safe citizens a union in which everyone has prospects and opportunities to participate is a real union, and that is what Ireland stands for. I think now is not the time to retreat behind national borders or any imagined glorious artificial paths. It's the time to renew energy, think afresh, gather our strength, 
and to build together structures that serve what we value, recognizing all that went before us, but also all the federity gonchorin of Ta'am, the endless possibilities that are there. This great collective rural gathering to which so many urban people come and others who were of different ages can meet together. 1700 stands, people from abroad, is a great, great statement of the viability of the Irish people. Agus Gwimgar Dragas Banach, Agathina Hyokigansha, Trisli Marishiat Sanna Dagarigas of Egobal Gokrua, Kuran Rajagalir, Akarafalikas Akahirehe, Anime Mikugasit Sanna Tawakarelehi, Agastavarshan. It is such a very great pleasure to have been asked to declare the 86th National Ploughing Championships officially open. Barbanak is going to live.